It is time for a little off-season debate. On today's show, Locked on Kings and Locked on Knicks cross over to debate. De'Aaron Fox versus Jalen Brunson. Who is the better player for their respective team going forward? It's all right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. De'Aaron Fox versus Jalen Brunson. You might be honestly rolling your eyes at that. You might have the same reaction that I had when the fine gentleman over at Locked On Knicks contacted me and said, hey, Matt, you want to do a off-season kind of crossover debate show debating Fox versus Brunson and Julius Randle versus DeMontis Sabonis? And I I clapped back at it like I wasn't even aware it could possibly be a debate. Like, to me, both of those guys are... In Sacramento, Fox and Rand and Sabonis are are clearly better than Randall and Brunson. However, of course, in the interest of providing different content over the offseason, plus the guys that locked on Knicks are are fantastic to talk to. Uh, unfortunately, Alex was not able to make these recordings, but uh, Gavin was, so we got to debate with him uh, about both these things. Plus, like I actually, am, I I follow the New York Knicks. I like the New York Knicks. Uh, I've been a fan of Julius Randle in the past. Some of you might remember potentially like, or me discussing the Kings potentially going out and trading for Randle well before the DeMontis Sabonis trade. Uh, And then of course, Jalen Brunson has emerged as one of the more fun point guards in the league to, to watch and to follow and has played well for the New York Knicks and, and played well during the playoffs. So like, while my initial reaction was to kind of dismiss that, dismiss that there's any debate between these two players. Period. I thought, you know, let's let's do it. Let's have some fun. Let's humor it. Plus, like to be respectful towards Jalen Brunson. I think, like, I think there is a conversation to be had for both of these. You'll know which direction I'm going in. I've made that perfectly clear. And ultimately, uh, it ends up being a great discussion with Gavin. A lot of fun. Uh, and I think you'll enjoy it. I hope I hope Knicks fans will enjoy it. I'm sure many, if not all, Knicks fans will disagree with me. Many, if not all, Kings fans will disagree with Gavin. But hey, get loose. Let's talk about it. Knicks fans, if you're here, debate. Kings fans, if you're here, I, I know you're here. Uh, defend your guys or share if you feel like maybe Brunson is better than Fox. Um, I don't know why you'd feel that way, but if you do, Let's talk about it. You can reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack at any time. You can email me if you would like, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. But especially get that debate going in the YouTube comment section down below if you're watching uh, watching this video right now. But here we go. Kings, Knicks, locked on crossover, De'Aaron Fox versus Jalen Brunson. All right, guys, as promised, I am happy as always to be joined by Matt George, the fantastic host of the Locked On Kings podcast. And I've, I've noted it, but I'm excited to get into it, Matt. Uh, you're a great guy. I always love talking to you, but today we're sworn enemies. We're having a debate. Jalen Brunson versus De'Aaron Fox. Uh, you, you, you get to strike the first blow. What are, what are your initial thoughts? 
Well, first off, hello over there from on the other out, uh, end of the uh, the country here. From I'm I'm in, I'm in Phoenix right now, so this is a close, oh okay. This so is a close you're battle. This is a so close you're, battle. You're in enemy territory then. Yeah, so, yeah. So tough, you're in <laughs> kind of our neck of the woods, but really Phoenix Suns territory. But no, I was I'm I'm surprised by this, and like I I don't expect it to come off or or don't intend for it to come off like as as arrogance. But it's it's not a conversation that I ever considered like why would Fox and and Brunson be compared other than those these are two really really good players for for up and coming teams but I, like it never crossed my mind like, like if I ever had to, to be forced into a, a decision of one over the other with Fox and 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 Brunson I I would like to believe that the majority of people wouldn't hesitate to take De'Aaron Fox and a lot of that just has to do with the fact that he has been the better player over the course of his career than Brunson has been in a, a shorter period of time. I'm a big fan of Jalen Brunson, by the way, and I'm even a big fan of Julius Randall. We'll get into Randall and Sabonis later. And Randall is actually someone that I talked about for a long time. The Kings potentially targeting if things weren't working out there in New York. Um, but like Fox is a younger player. He's been doing it longer. He's been the guy longer than Brunson has. Brunson has had more, opportunity on winning teams and i think a lot of that has to do with the environments that he was in and less so the like having the the time that he had in, in dallas not being the top guy darren has been the top guy his entire career unfortunately he's been doing it for a franchise that had the longest playoff drought in nba history that they just recently broke one of the reasons why they broke it is they finally surrounded De'Aaron fox with good enough talent uh, to to emphasize his strengths and, and cover his weaknesses a little bit. So to me, like De'Aaron Fox is an easy choice in a comparison or in, in, in a conversation between if you're if you're picking between the two of them. But I also would like to throw out the blanket statement too, even though this is bad for a debate, that I think both teams are in a fantastic spot with both of them as their their point guards going forward. And both are clearly in their prime right now. Yeah, we, we were joking about this before. I mean, Alex wasn't able to make this one, but it might, might have been a little bit more aggressive this year because I also, I love De'Aaron Fox, uh, one of my favorite college players of the last decade. Flat out, probably one of my favorite five to 10 non-Knicks to watch in the NBA. Incredible talent, to your point, like unquestionably like better pedigree than Jalen Brunson. Right? Higher draft pick, was a better recruit, um, was far better their first five, six seasons in the NBA. So this argument for me to make it, kind of has to reside on small sample size. And I would even go so far to say, again, arguing against myself a little bit here, Fox was probably pretty clearly the better player in the regular season. Put up 25 points, six rebounds, or six assists, excuse me, four rebounds per game. Brunson, similar numbers, 24-6, 3.5. And Fox, this, this surprised me when I was going through the numbers, slightly more efficient, 1% better effective field goal percentage, of course. That is with the fact that Jalen Brunson was a 42% three-point shooter, and Fox was quite a bit worse than that. In the playoffs, Brunson was the clearly was clearly the better player, or maybe clearly the better player is overstating it, but scored more, scored more efficiently. Of course, Fox was doing so with a broken hand. So, so when I was like, all right, what do, I, what do I build this argument around? To me, it comes down to two core tenets. I think what Jalen Brunson did against the Miami Heat is simply a resume point that De'Aaron Fox doesn't have yet. Do I think Fox is capable of something like that? Absolutely, but he hasn't done in his career against the second best defense in the postseason. Uh, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brunson with with the Knicks season on the line, with Emmanuel quickly out, with Julius Randle, 
brutally hobbled by a severe ankle injury. He put up 37 points, seven assists, six rebounds per game, shot 55% from the field, 41% from three, 88% from the line, got to the line 10 times per game. And then that iconic game six where he put up 41 in a game where he essentially had zero help. And, and, and you, you talk about the start of a superstar narrative, a superstar resume. That's where it begins with me. Those types of performances in the playoffs and Fox due to no fault of his own, hasn't had a lot of opportunities for that in his career. The other thing, which I'm curious, Matt, your take on this is I think Fox is, and and look, we can talk about the defensive end where Fox is clearly the better player. Offensively, his context is just so much better than Jalen Brunson. He gets to play with two elite shooters in Keegan Murray and Kevin Herter, another really good one in Harrison Barnes, a guy in DeMontis Sabonis who would be considered the generational passing big man in the NBA if a guy named Nikola Jokic didn't exist. And then, of course, you have Malik Monk often closing games off the bench. You compare that to Brunson, who, despite being on the third-best offense in basketball, did not have ideal personnel around him. Had a good shooter in Quentin Grimes. Had R.J. Barrett, who is just about the worst like wing you would want for a star point guard in the league. Julius Randle, who takes a lot of threes and, and shoots decently on them. And then Mitchell Robinson, who's about as attached to the rim as any player in the NBA. So to me, that's the biggest separator. If you just want to look at the last season, is that they were very similar offensively, but Fox's life was just so much easier on that end of the floor. I hear what you're saying. When it comes to playoffs specifically, like there's no question that when it comes to playoff experience, Brunson has, has the lot. And it's, I mean, it's not close. Like Jalen Brunson has played in 36 playoff games in his career. De'Aaron Fox has played in seven. However, over those seven, even with breaking his hand or breaking his finger midway through that series, which completely changed the series for him and completely changed the series for the Sacramento Kings. De'Aaron Fox still had the second highest scoring playoff series debut in NBA history. So he came onto the scene, finally got that opportunity and very similar to how John Morant kind of took the, like De'Aaron Fox's story would have been and, and, and hype would have been the exact same as John Morant's had he stayed healthy and had the Sacramento Kings won that playoff series because John Morant made his playoff debut in the play-in technically. Can't remember who the the Grizzlies beat, but they actually won the play-in to move into the playoffs itself. I think think it was the Warriors. Yeah. So the, I mean, like we would, I think people are are already starting to talk about De'Aaron Fox differently in a way that they should, in a way that people should have been talking about De'Aaron Fox for years. It just so happened that he's, spent his entire career again in Sacramento where a lot of what he's done has has flown under the radar. I agree with you in terms of De'Aaron is is benefiting massively from players around him. But I would argue that where De'Aaron was at his best this season was when it was all eyes on him and spotlight on him. When you're talking about the fourth quarter, you're talking about clutch points. Like there was no more clutch player in the league. He won the inaugural clutch player of the uh, league award. And it wasn't just scoring in the fourth quarter. I mean, you look at De'Aaron's clutch shooting over the course of of the uh, game, even like late in a shot clock. NBA University put out recently like end of shot clock threes. So threes with four seconds remaining in the shot clock. Typically, that's like a sign of bad offense or a sign of like at the end of a broken possession. But when the Kings needed a shot at the end of a possession that maybe a defense was playing well against them, Fox was shooting 40% from three-point range in those spots. So when it came to big moments and the Kings needing and got to have it, especially in winning time, that's where De'Aaron Fox really stepped up. The question for De'Aaron Fox going forward is, like, can Fox be that guy for more of a, 
I say a 48-minute effort. There's no way Fox is playing 48 minutes a night. But can Fox be the same guy the first three quarters as he is in the fourth quarter? I don't know how capable anybody is of doing that because I have no idea how exhausting it is to play that hard for a full game, 82 games a year, plus playoffs on top of that. So I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure it's a lot to ask in, in in many ways. So I think Jalen Brunson at times did a significantly better job of making an impact over the course of the entire game. And Fox had good games like that too. But when, when it was, when Fox shined the brightest, even though he had so many great players around him was when it was him, mano a mano, typically against, uh, against one of the best, if not the best defender on the opposing team. And De'Aaron was impossible to guard because he could get to the rim and finish at a rate that Shaquille O'Neal hasn't finished at the rim before. Now, I don't know how repeatable that is. I was having that conversation with Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball recently. Like he finished around like 77 or something percent at the rim, which is just absurd. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that again. But on top of that, his mid-range pull-up jumper was his most go-to efficient shot that he had this uh this season and that shot is impossible to guard because you have to sag off De'Aaron Fox enough to where he doesn't blow by you but you have to respect him enough as a shooter to where he can pull up and hit that midi on you so De'Aaron is while he's not a three-level scorer yet Jalen is certainly a better three-point shooter and if Fox added that to his game we'd talk about one of the greatest point guards of all time which I don't know if he'll ever get there um but it, it, he's he's can score and get wherever he wants on the floor. And he doesn't have to be the top guy all the time for the Kings to be successful. That's a big difference this past season compared to his entire career in the league. Yeah, I think I think going through the numbers, that's what shocked me the most because I, I think of I, I thought Jalen like just not having looked would have blown him away in terms of efficiency because of the three-point shooting, because Jalen is excellent in the mid-range, is very good at the rim, and Fox is just in a different stratosphere at the basket. And then the biggest shock to me was that Fox was a more efficient mid-range scorer on very similar volume. And and that's an area that, like, you think of Jalen Brunson, you think of isolation, mid-range maestro. Again, to me, the, I'll, I'll kind of fall back on the same argument. Like, I, I think part of the reason Fox was able to be so good in the clutch was, like, he played with – maybe the best facing in NBA history outside of those Warriors teams and maybe the James Harden Rockets team, but I, I wouldn't even say they were quite as good. And I wonder if you switch teams, what Jalen Brunson would be able to do with that kind of opportunity. Because my last memory of him was, again, going through Gabe Vincent and then attacking Jimmy Butler, trying to swipe down and then trying to finish over Bam Adebayo at the rim and doing that over and over and over again. And again, it's not to say that Fox couldn't do that, but I would love to see Brunson and, and hopefully the Knicks can build out this infrastructure over time. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. And I've been telling you all week with football season about to kick off. We have preseason football now, which I'm always excited about. And then I start watching it and I'm no longer excited. Preseason football is rough. But preseason starting means we're that much closer to the start of the regular season. And right now, you can make a bet on who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. Hey, Matt, what's so special about that? So many different sites allow you to do that. And that's a... Uh, a pretty risky bet without the context of the entire regular season. You're absolutely right, except FanDuel makes it more than worth their while because when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, every single time that team wins over the course of the regular season, you will receive bonus bets for free. So what you need to do, even if you're not a 49ers fan, trust me, it's a smart investment. I'm a Raiders fan, but I cover the Niners for ABC 10. Bet on the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. 
every single time they win, which is going to be 11, 12, 13 plus times this season, you're going to get bonus bets that you can use on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more to ultimately help yourself make more money. So even if that Super Bowl bet doesn't happen, even if it doesn't go through, maybe you're a Raider fan like me and you're actively rooting against the Niners winning the Super Bowl. You could still use them to make money for yourself and get free bets over the course of the entire regular season. Nobody else is offering something like this. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. All right, guys, we are back. Locked on Knicks, Locked on Kings crossover. Myself, Matt George. Um, De'Aaron Fox going forward. Because these were these were sort of the two things. Like I, I did earlier this summer, just a, a ranking of all the players in the NBA. And I ended up having Jalen Brunson quite a bit higher than I expected. Top 15, which is probably a little bit lofty. But what I kept falling back on is, like teams just don't really have an answer for what he can do in the playoffs with his ability to score at every level. Granted, the three-point shooting, at least this postseason, was not quite that good. De'Aaron Fox actually shot a percentage point better than Jalen Brunson, granted on much less attempts um, from three. But do you think going forward, that lack of three-point shot in later rounds of the playoffs could hurt Fox, or is the shooting around him enough to compensate combined with everything else he does so well? And then what's your confidence in him on the defensive end and, and potentially teams trying to go at him there where I know coming out of Kentucky, that was supposed to be a strength for him. And then it wasn't quite, and he's slowly but surely gotten better as, as far as I know on that end of the floor. Two great questions, Gavin. Like the, the first one with Fox is it's weird. Like it's very situational because over the course of a game, if I'm, if I'm asked to choose who do I want taking a three pointer between De'Aaron Fox and Jalen Brunson, the answer is Jalen Brunson and the numbers back that up. But Fox has shown an ability to, again, be a clutch scorer and be a clutch shooter. And he hit a couple game-winning threes this season. He had a one from freaking half court in, in Orlando. I don't know. That's more of an outlier shot than anything. But he also had a pull-up three in Chicago uh, to break the heart of the Bulls uh, over the course of the regular season, too, to where it was just an in-rhythm shot that you wouldn't necessarily expect De'Aaron Fox to take when he can get get, get downhill as well as he can. He pulls up with full confidence from that three-point range, knocks down that shot. If that were a consistent part of his game, again, we're talking about, like, what do you do to stop this guy? And even without it, the question still is, what do you do to stop this guy? Because Fox is fast enough and quick enough to where, even if you're sagging off him or stepping off of him and allowing him enough space to shoot from the perimeter— Fox can still put the ball on the floor and get to the spots that he wants to. And he's surrounded by, to your point earlier, he's surrounded by enough, uh, enough weapons around him to where if your focus is solely on just staying in front of him, you are going to miss the passing lane to a corner Keegan Murray three or to a DeMontis Sabonis on the high block. And, and what's, what's crazy to me is, is how, De'Aaron is the top guy in Sacramento. And I don't know if this helps or hurts his argument, Gavin, but but De'Aaron is not the most important player in Sacramento. That's DeMontis Sabonis. And we're going to get into that a little bit later on. Now, most important and best are two very different things. And and one does not necessarily trump the other. The way the Sacramento Kings play is through Sabonis. And Fox is just that, okay, the, we need a bucket, we need our guy, we need our star to carry us through. That's when Fox really steps up and Fox really shines. So he's like a specialist uh, in that way. Defensively, De'Aaron made incredible strides this, this past season, especially when it came to fourth quarter defense. Now the Kings as a whole were a bad defensive team, 
but we're actually one of the top defensive teams in the fourth quarter. And then in the playoffs, actually, we're a really, really solid defensive team. A lot of that, I think, has to do with the physicality and, and refs let a little more go. And, and playoff basketball is just kind of a different beast on the, on the defensive end of the floor. But De'Aaron took on the challenge nightly that he would point out that others didn't. He would guard the opposing team's best guard, typically, in crutch time. And, and for the majority of a game, every single night. And then he would have the ball and that best guard would switch off of him. So for example, when, if the Kings and Knicks played, and I'd have to go back and look at this, but when the Kings and Knicks played, it was De'Aaron Fox that was guarding and stepping up to Jalen Brunson. I don't know if you could say the same about Brunson trying to guard De'Aaron Fox on the other end of the floor. I imagine maybe Josh Hart was called for that responsibility or who knows. Um, and, and who knows who can actually guard De'Aaron Fox to some extent. And even with Fox guarding Jalen Brunson, I'm sure Jalen got the better of Fox from time to time too, with how good of an offensive player he is. So in in terms of defense, like I don't think it's much of a contest between the two of them. I think Fox yeah. is the more reliable, quicker defender. He still has room to grow. Mike Brown is asking for more out of him uh, in that sense. Uh, and then three point shooting long winded, going back to your initial question. I think in the playoffs, there will be moments, there will be times where when the Kings need a three, Fox is not going to be afraid to pull up and hit it, but he's not necessarily going to hit it as at the rate that you would trust or want to trust your top guy in that moment. And that that's glaring when you're playing a team like the Golden State Warriors who Steph Curry can pull up from wherever he wants on the floor at any given time, and there's nothing really you can do about it. So three-point shooting in the modern NBA is so essential, especially for a point guard, that that's always going to be something that's looked at for De'Aaron. But De'Aaron is good enough overall, I think, to overcome that. Yeah, I, I think if I were to play devil's advocate with myself and make an argument for Fox, is that Brunson, you, you can target him in the postseason in a way you simply can't um, with De'Aaron Fox. And I guess the counter to that would be that, at least in the context of this Knicks team, where, where you could say this is this is kind of the positive for Brunson. Like the trade-off for not having that shooting around him was that he was he was insulated by largely playing with really nice defensive players. And, and that made such a substantial difference to the ability to keep him on the floor. And then it let Brunson, like like the offensive numbers in the postseason were just staggering. The, the Knicks were 36 points better per 100 possessions um, with him on offense in the playoffs. That is a number that led the NBA by far. I think no one was within seven or eight points of that. Um, he led the NBA, the entire NBA in on-off differential in the playoffs with guys who played at least 250 minutes. Um, like his advanced metrics were, were generally on the top five of anyone in the postseason. And, and that's that's kind of what I have to sit on and fall back on with my argument. And then I guess the other part of it is, to your point, Fox is, is a younger player, would nominally be on a better trajectory. And I, I guess my only counter to that is I, I think Brunson's game potentially lends itself to aging a little bit better with how skill-based it is. But there's also a lot of, like, maybe maybe less subtle than Fox, but athleticism in the Brunson's game. Like, he, he's, he's exceptionally quick, and his, his D-cell is amazing. His body control is, is about as good as any guard in the NBA, and, and that stuff falls off. I just wonder if it'll fall off at a slightly slower pace than Fox's just kind of blinding speed will. No, it's a good point, but my counter to that would be, like, De'Aaron... When De'Aaron first came into the league, like speed was his MO and he used it at all times. It was full speed, 100%. We get the ball, we run downhill, throw caution to the wind. And while he did a good job not being out of control too much, you've we can see over the course of De'Aaron's career how he's learned to use that speed in bursts and less of let me just out sprint you for the, the entire time that I'm on the floor. And I think De'Aaron Fox knows too, as he gets older, 
he's not going to be able to do that as much. And even with him in his prime right now, if you're sprinting and playing at 100% every single game, by the time you get to the playoffs, by the time you make a deep playoff run, you're going to be gassed no matter what you do. And that was fatigue was actually an issue that the Sacramento Kings dealt with despite being unbelievably healthy last year. Like you could point to a lot of players and their their drop off at times offensively and how they struggled. You could you could point to fatigue and and as a, a major factor in that. So De'Aaron has this burst to his game now to where he can turn on that speed at times when he wants to dribble the ball up the floor, get to a spot, and then explode and and, and get by you and get to the rim and and it takes only three seconds off the shot clock of full speed energy instead of 20 seconds of the shot clock of just running around the floor nonstop. Uh, so I think despite De'Aaron, his his top physical asset being that speed and quickness, he uses it in a way that suggests that it'll be, it, it has longevity. Shout out to Gavin, the guys over at Locked on Knicks. That was a fun conversation to have. I don't know if your mind was changed at all, if you were swayed, uh, if you agree or disagree with anything that was discussed by uh, by both of us. But if you want to share, absolutely, please do so. Gavin made some decent points. I'm not even close to changing my mind. I'm taking De'Aaron Fox a million times over Jalen Brunson, and I'm not even hesitating to do so. It's an easy decision for me for a lot of the reasons I listed in there. Um but again, if you want to respond to that debate, please do so. And don't worry, we have more coming for you on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Kings. We're debating DeMontis Sabonis versus Julius Randle. We'll also have a sprinkle at the end of um, just talking about the Kings and the Knicks and how they're in very similar positions, very parallel teams in, in different conferences in a lot of ways. Uh, so it, it, I think you'll have fun with that as well. If Fox and, versus... Brunson is a small debate, like uh, like there's a maybe a, a conversation to be had. I don't think there's really much of a conversation at all to be had between Julius Randle and DeMontis Sabonis, but we have that conversation anyway, uh, and it was a fun one, so I hope you will consider joining me for that tomorrow. Appreciate your support, as always, here during the dog days of the offseason. The uh, reported opening day games dropped from The Athletic yesterday, and the Sacramento Kings are not featured on opening night, but the Golden State Warriors versus Phoenix Suns are. And that's what I thought could threaten the Sacramento Kings as the Christmas Day matchup. So after that dropped, I was like, okay, now that they're playing on opening night, maybe we'll have a chance of Kings and Warriors on Christmas Day. Nope. Shams dropped a, a few hours later that the full Christmas Day schedule is out and the Golden State Warriors are playing the defending champion, New York Knicks. <laughs> Bad decision, NBA. I, I know you want the defending champs to play on Christmas Day, and I'm totally all right with that. You you could have found a different opponent than the Golden State Warriors. The Kings versus Warriors was a is going to be a way better game. Was obviously the above and beyond best playoff series of last year's playoffs. I think the NBA dropped the ball a little bit there, but they can still make it up to the Kings by giving them an appropriate amount of uh, of national TV games. We'll find that out when the full s schedule drops, whenever that will be. Someone asked me, and I thought it was a good question, do I think the Sacramento Kings will have more or less uh, national TV games than the San Antonio Spurs because of Victor Wimbanyama? And I'll be honest with you, I'm expecting less. I think that's stupid. I hate it. But, but I also expect, like, I mean, look how many games, national TV games, the New Orleans Pelicans got uh, Zion's rookie season and his first couple seasons in the league. Like, it just, it's who the world is enamored about and the country just wants to see play. So 
I, I would actually be pretty surprised that the Kings have more national TV games than the San Antonio Spurs do. Again, I hate it, but that's just the reality of the situation. So we'll see when the schedule drops, but maybe the Kings players are happy that they're not playing on Christmas. I have to work on Christmas no matter what, because the Niners play on Christmas Day. We have ABC 10 NBA shows uh, on Christmas Day, so it wouldn't have mattered that much to me, but I just want to see the Kings playing on Christmas because in, in, in a lot of ways, it's it's validation of them being one of the top teams in the league and certainly one of the most watchable teams in the league uh, on a day where everybody or most everybody has their TVs on and tuned to NBA basketball. So we'll see when the schedule drops, uh, how everything else shakes up. But again, shout out to Gavin. Thanks to the Locked on Knicks uh, podcast for suggesting this and, and having fun with this first topic. Join me tomorrow for Sabonis versus Randall. Uh, that debate is a lot of fun too. I hope I will see you there. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.